This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's go time for our teachers, and Duncan is brewing up the perfect way to say thank you. On Thursday, September 1st, local educators will receive a free medium hot or iced coffee at participating Rockford Duncan restaurants. No purchase necessary. Limit one per guest excludes cold brew and nitro cold brew. Additional charges may apply. Participation may vary. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. It's been a tough week for West Ham after leaving the FA Cup just days after what some would say was two points dropped at Craven Cottage. Are we starting to see the detrimental effects of having a small squad? Is Moy's decision not to sign a striker going to haunt him? And does Odebeku have the maturity and mental strength to deal with being subbed off as a sub? We'll have a chat about Mike Imakundin and the upcoming fixture against Sheffield United before getting exclusive news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. Let's start with the game at Old Trafford last night. A horrible fifth round draw. Not many people fancied a win, and they were right because we didn't get one. But we did take them to extra time. What did you think of the overall performance? Um, it's a bit of a difficult one to describe because I thought first half we were very negative. Didn't really create anything. Very like almost part the bus, so to speak, which you know isn't necessarily the wrong thing to do when you're away at. Man United, um, Tiki's they're in a bit of form now. Uh, I thought second half we played a lot better. Um, I thought we created a bit more, looked a bit more lively. Um, I thought we were kind of matching them like for like, and just unfortunately, they got a um counter attack goal which should have been defended better. Um, and yeah, nicked it. And we just had, and because we, we were only really going to win that game with a nil nil, or uh, or uh, sorry, not win the game, get to the penalties of a nil nil, or um score from a set piece because we just had nothing going forward so um i think yeah disappointing to have not held on to at least get it to penalties but at the end of the day as i say it's man united in the cup away it's a tough game we did we did all right but yeah just a bit disappointed bit negative but i'm not gutted Mm. I thought our defending was phenomenal throughout the game, by the way. Um, Dawson, in particular, was yeah. once again outstanding. I thought Fabianski was different class. And I thought we dug deep and weathered the storm in what was a really poor first half everywhere else on the pitch. Then at half-time, David Moyes made some changes that baffled me a little bit. But those changes made a massive difference to us. And that's why David Moyes is in charge at West Ham and I'm sitting here talking to you. Um, and yeah, some I... was self-inflicted as well, mate, which I were not self-inflicted, some were uh, imposed upon him as well, which I will talk about in my section. Okay, mate, interesting. But the second half was much better. I think you'd agree with that. Um, whilst yeah. I had no real expectation going into the game, as time went on, I was starting to think, oh, we might nick it, um, which is why I was absolutely gutted to concede the goal, gutted. But I suppose if it's any consolation, at least we can now solely focus on the league. 
We saw Mipu Odebeku last night. And when I saw him on the touchline waiting to come on, I thought the script was written. And maybe we were going to see a fairy tale ending to the game. It didn't quite work out that way. And he was taken off. What did you make of the decision, considering he actually came on as a sub? I think the decision was harsh. Um, I'm not going to lie, because that doesn't do much for a young player's confidence at all. And had it been, you know, maybe Sam Allardyce doing that or something like that, the fans may have been even more um, irate about it than perhaps they were. I mean, in terms of performance, I don't like to slate a young kid on, on their sort of, you know, he'd only played like a minute or so before, so effectively his debut. Like, I don't want to slate him because it's like I said it's not fair away at Man United with everywhere we weren't creating anything anyway um but he did look a little bit lost I would say he looked he wasn't making the right runs his positioning was very questionable and his touch was not good either and and they are almost like the few things you expect a young player to have it's the other things that don't necessarily come so the fact that he yeah kind of looks a bit all over the place I think I don't like I said I don't want to criticize him he's young he's a I've been told he's a great finisher um I've always said that I think he's raw and people have said that he's not ready for the first team entirely yet um unfortunately you get Twitter accounts that just go mental for a new striker because we're all so desperate for a striker and perhaps got a bit carried away. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he needs time. Um, though, And I think, unfortunately, because of our lack of forward situation, he's almost been thrust into the limelight before he maybe should have been. Um, he, but like I said, he has got talent. But I think the decision to take him off, I do understand it from Moyes' point of view because he was... He was not really doing anything at all, really. So, but then you have to balance that up against the fact of the impact on a young, like rate, rated player's career by bringing him on and taking him off. Um, so, a bit split on it, to be honest with you. Well, it was described as disgusting today by Andy Goldstein on Talksport, and really? I saw the little snippet of him, and I thought. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not having this. I'm not having it. I mean, yes, it was ballsy from David Moyes, but he was chasing the game and he was well within his right to do what he thought was best for the side. Because let's be honest, like you say, Mipo was missing for the whole time he was on the pitch. Listen, yeah. it was always going to be hard for him to make an impact. Of course it was. Yeah. Going away to Man United in any scenario was always going to be difficult. But given the fact that we spent most of that time defending, you could have put a world-class striker up front. He would have struggled. So it's not necessarily a pop at him. But you know, David Moyes had to do something. And I understand it's embarrassing, especially against your old club. But it's football. He has to put it down to experience, work hard and come back stronger. Otherwise, we have to question if this level is for him. I think Declan Rice got taken off in relatively embarrassing circumstances when he first started off. But it's how you come back from that, you know? And... um Look, I think it was the right thing to do. And like I say, you could even have left him on and ultimately have played with 10 men, which I think you would have been last night with Mippo. Or you can try and make a difference and try and get yourself back in the game, you know? Fairness to the lad, he's actually tweeted today um, and he said, you know, something along the lines of didn't go how I would have liked it, but it's a massive learning curve for me about the levels that I need to be at to make a career out of football. I will reflect on this and I will put a lot of work into the training ground and I will come back having used this as a positive learning experience, which is all you can ask for, really. Well, fair play to him. Fair play. And that's what you want to hear because, you know, you're not going to judge a player and the potential of his entire career based on that performance at Man United. It was a massive game for him, very overwhelming. And to be honest, you know, the role of the striker last night was a bit redundant, you know, to be yeah. fair. So um, let's just see what he brings in the future. But no, disappointed for him. Um, but I have to protect Moyes in that respect because he's, he's chasing the game and tactically he's got to do what's best for the football club. Uh, it's far from disgusting, that's for sure. Well, that's right. And at the end of the day, you're trying to get your team to win its first FA Cup in 40 years. You know, it's, it's not the time that you start being sentimental and thinking, oh, this is a young kid. You know, oh, maybe I'll keep him on. Because like you said and like I said earlier, he was effectively 
non-existent. Like I don't remember him really doing anything of any positive note. Um, and so uh, I think the fact is, like you said, Moyes wants to win the FA Cup. West Ham want to win the FA Cup. All the players want to win the FA Cup. It's if the decision that's going to make you stronger is to take off um, a young lad who's clearly a bit overawed by the situation and replace him by an Argentinian international, of course, not the same as he once was, but that he is that, then you um, then you have to go with, with Moyes and respect the fact that he's well within his rights to do what he thinks is best for the team. And like you said, if that's going to destroy a young man's career um, that quickly, then you question whether he's got the mentality to make it anyway. But as I said, his Twitter account suggests that he has. Good stuff. I'm pleased to hear that because, uh, you know, the last thing I want to see is a Reese oxford scenario because there's a lot of positive yeah. talk about this kid and he's just got to learn from it. You know, it's valuable experience mm. and it depends how you look at it. You could say, OK, he was on the pitch and he got pulled off again. Or you can say he had 70 minutes experience at Old Trafford. You know, it's it's all a yeah. learning curve. So it's all about mentality and how you see this going forward. But good luck to him. I hope we see more of him. But I certainly don't want a mountain made out of a molehill over Moyes making that decision. For me, it's he's well within his rights to do it. But of course, it does highlight the lack of exciting options we have when Antonio doesn't play. Um, last night, he started Yarmolenko up front. Do you think he can do a job there, Yarmolenko? He's not convinced me of that at the time that he's been. I mean, he played all right against... Was it Stockport? Maybe. I think it was them or someone. I mean, let's be honest, out of their conference team. So a Ukrainian international that's played in the Bundesliga and the Premier League and so on should be able to play any position against a conference team, really, aside from goalkeeper, maybe. Um, and uh, I think I think he just doesn't, unfortunately, have the pace for a forward Um in this modern game, it's particularly in the setup that we have, you know, that you can get away with forwards not having pace if they've got like, you know, wingers that have and break down and cut it back to them and so on. Um, but in our current system, our work rates and um, running the channels and pace and so on is so important. And I just don't think Yarmolenko's got that. I mean, technically, I think he's a decent player. I think he's quite skillful when he cuts in. You fancy his chances of scoring. He's got a good delivery. So I think technically he's good. But I, I don't think Moyes is going to get the same success as he has done with Anatovic and um, Antonio when converting them from wingers to forwards. I think Bowen could potentially do a job there, you know. I mean, he's, he's quick. <laughs> he works hard. I think he can hold the line. He's played there before. And he does have the ability to score goals. So I would have been tempted to start Jared up front. Yeah. Um, with either Yarms, Benny or Fredericks on the right. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, that excites me more going forward in the absence of Antonio than Yarmolenko because, like you say, pace is a big factor in football in general. And it's a real issue for Yarmolenko because you need pace on the wing. And I think you need pace up front, to be quite honest. And he doesn't really have either, does he? No, no, not really. Um, and I think this is why, unfortunately, I'm not sure he's cut out for the English game because if he's not playing up front, he's playing as a winger. And as you just said, wingers need pace. So then you're gonna have to maybe look to play him as a central midfielder. But then does he have the does he have the physique uh, or the defensive abilities of a central midfielder? Probably not either. So then you do. You do have to think, whilst I like his technical ability, apparently he's a really good lad as well. You know, like those sides of him, I'm just not quite sure. And his age now, he's like, was he 30, 31? I'm not sure. He's he's really one for us next season, I would say. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. I agree. I mean, there would have been a shout, maybe, as a number 10. Give him a run out there. But obviously, now Lingard's come in and we've got four nails and we've got Benny. Um, I agree with you. I'm not too sure there's a future for him, in all honesty. Um, in his post-match presser, Moyes hinted that Antonio will be a doubt for Sheffield United. Do you have any news for us in your section? I do that? have. I do have in my section, yeah. There's been an update today, so I don't know if you want me to hold it over to that. But the, the bottom line is we are in a situation, whether he plays or whether he doesn't, where we are so reliant on a man that's got string for hamstrings. You know, like we are as we expected we would be and just or you whoever you blame for this whether you blame Moyes whether you blame the chairman you blame whoever 
it's just stupid to be in this situation when we knew that this could happen. Like, mm. as much, as much as I didn't rate the guy, and I was glad to see the back of him, I would rather still have Hilaire now with hindsight, knowing that we wouldn't sign a striker, than to have sold him when we did. Because at least you'd have some kind of option then. Mm, gotcha. And it's such a shame, because this has come at a stage where we could really kick on this season. And if we just would have brought another forward in, it could have made the difference in Antonio's absence because we are going to be without him. He's so fragile, it's unbelievable. And you just think, in those games where he's not available and there isn't a ready-made replacement, how many points is that ultimately going to cost us? And we're going to kick ourselves if we finish three or four points outside the European spot, ultimately because we didn't score enough goals. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the plan, probably out of all the options that we discussed, is for Lingard to play as a false number nine now. I find it hard to imagine him there, but, you know, he has got pace, he has got trickery, he has got a decent shot on him, so you never know. Um, but the fact that we have to keep converting players to play as our striker, it would just be nice for us to actually sign a striker that has proven to be a good striker in this league and scores goals in this league. It'd just be so nice if we'd done that, or not even necessarily this league, a championship player perhaps looking to score in this league, but or someone. But to, to not have any other replacement it's just ridiculous and when I go into my section we are now in a bit of an injury crisis where we're not going to be able to field um, a full um, squad in terms of substitutes in the next game unless they get better quickly I think we're down to about 14 or 15 of which one is David Martin um, fit players Jesus Christ is that right Something like that. We take, I don't want to ruin my section, but if no. you take into account that you got Maseraka out, you got Randolph out, potentially you've got Balbuena, Diuk, Ogbonna, Yarmolenko, and Antonio, that's seven out of a 22 man squad. Fucking hell. Oh, it is a worry. It is a worry. <laughs> um, on a more positive note, I don't think we talk about Ben Johnson enough as a fan base. I mean, generally yeah. speaking, I think the fans like him, but I can't help but think he's massively underrated. I thought he was brilliant again last night. And thinking about it, I don't think he's had a bad game for West Ham. No, he's a good player, very good player. And, and you know, another good thing about him was a good lad as well. I think he's from a very humble family. Um, I think his family might be quite religious. They're very grounded. They're very, um, you know, brought him up the right way. He's a nice lad. Um He's very popular with the players. He's been at the club since he's seven years of age. He's from a sporting family. If you remember, his uncle's Paul Parker. And yep. I think I mean, he's related to Ledley King as well. So he's got that kind of um, like DNA to be a, a top-level footballer because obviously both those players played for England. Um, and so um, I think... I think he's got everything that could make him a great player. He's got pace. He's good on the ball. He reads the game well. He's got a decent shot on him for a fullback, as has shown when he scored this year against Leicester. I can't remember whoever it Bright, was. Wasn't it? Game. Was it Brighton? Yeah, Brighton actually. I was pitching a blue kit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Brighton. Actually, it must be. It can't be Leicester because we haven't played them at home yet. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it was them. And, um, and he's just. Um, yeah, he's a very, very good player, mate. And I think, unfortunately for him, you've got Chafal that's come in and obviously can't say anything but positives about him. And Cresswell's had a great season. I just think he's been unfortunate that the two players in front of him in different positions have been as good as they have this year. But certainly for the future, I think he could be one that really does progress like, say, Declan has. I mean, it's funny. I saw a few people on Twitter and I don't, I don't agree with this um, suggestion, but I can see why they thought of it. They're playing him up front. You know, pacey, tricky, decent shot. You know, we ain't really got many other options, but... Uh, no, I, don't I, I think we need, to, we need to fucking slow down a little bit. He's only scored one goal. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how, how much sort of pressure you can put on a kid from scoring one goal from right back to then rely on him at Premier League level to fucking score 15 goals. To, to be honest, mate, they the might season. be calling a certain Dave Walker out of retirement at this rate, the way things are going. So, well, uh, listen, listen, they know I'm available. Um, yes, I'm grossly overweight. Yes, I'm medically unfit to a concerning level. But at the end of 
the day. I know where the goal is, X. And look, listen, listen, it's not for me to say. It's not for me to say. But I could potentially score a hell of a lot of goals for West Ham. I'm just putting it out there. Okay, so they've got, they've got my number. They know where I am. And, and you know what? I'm cheap. Um, I take what 50 60 grand a week with appearances on top, and obviously, Don't, if I'm... no, he wouldn't. Sure, he'd take more. We earn more from that other on Patreon. Well, yeah. supposedly, <laughs> supposedly, <laughs> the trolls seem to think so. <laughs> yeah, but obviously, look, I mean, I'm sure we can cut a deal where if I get an England appearance and it, it doubles or whatever, but we'll cross that bridge and we come to it. I'm here, the phone's here. If it rings and it's uh, and it's the gaffer, then uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to play. I'm not being funny. You ain't got much fucking better options, have we? <laughs> Do you know what? In the past, I'd be sitting there going, <laughs> cracking up. But part of me is actually thinking, you know what? You know, that is, this is, we could we can see if we could work this. I mean, you're only what are you 37 now, so yeah. it might be might be a bit late for you to make a Premier League debut. But you never know. Stranger things have happened. Teddy Sheringham played in the Premier League for us when he's about 40. 41, didn't they? Yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, you're, you're a mere spring chicken compared to him. <laughs> I just said this image of this actually coming true in my post-match conference. Like, yeah, delighted with the four goals today. Didn't see it coming because obviously I'm I'm a bit rusty, but, you know, <laughs> given some time with the lads and some training sessions, you know, I'm aiming for 25 goals this season. The funny thing is as well, knowing you, you'll have a vape in your hand as well. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be part of my goal celebration. You know, yeah, like, exactly. you, know, you know, like Lingard, when he scores, he'll take a phone from the crowd and take a selfie with the player. Yeah. My, my celebration will be to pull my vape out of the sock and start doing fucking hoops. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm not going to pin my hopes on the phone ringing, but uh, just so I know, if they get ridiculously desperate, I'm here and I will play, okay? Maybe we, can, maybe you and I can put our, put our names forward together, you know, little and large combination. You, know, you, win, you win the headers, I'll, I'll finish off, I'll, finish, I'll run through and finish them off, you know? <laughs> That's it, mate. Yeah. Well, look, we're presenting the plan. What they do, if it's up to them, isn't it, at the end of the day? Where the problem is they might have to shorten the pitch to about three metres for me to <laughs> break through without having a heart attack. So, <laughs> so I'll see if they can uh, speak to Dougie, yeah. the groundsman, and get that sorted as well. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we're not asking for much, really, are we? <laughs> no, no, it's a fair proposition. Think, yeah. think, of the, think of the reaction on Twitter as well. <laughs> Can you imagine how much we'd be slated if we had a bad game? Jeez, mate, I tr- honestly, <laughs> you, think, you think I'd get trolled for, like, saying that a transfer didn't happen uh, like until, like, I was, like, three hours early on a transfer or something. Imagine how much I would get slated if I missed about ten open goals. Jeez, oh I'm to think. <laughs> Can you actually imagine? Yeah. Um, someone else that's had his fair share of critics in the past is Mark Noble, the Mark Noble yeah, we that's... all know and love. He started yeah. last night, and interestingly, again, I've seen mixed reviews on his performance, but what did you think? I thought he did a job, you know, like he didn't set the world alight, but he came in and he did a job that would be expected of a 34 year old player playing away at Old Trafford um, in the role that he was given. Like, I just. I just don't understand. Yes, we all accept that Noble is not the Noble of old. Yes, he's coming very close to the the end of his career now. But can we not just show the fella some respect? You know, he has played for West Ham for like since he was 16, 17, a West Ham boy through and through. He has done so much for this club off the pitch that fans will never consider. And yes, you shouldn't pick a player over sentiment, uh, pick a player because of sentiment. I'm not saying that. But at the end of the day, if that had been if that had been a young lad, yeah, that came in and made that performance, let's say if that was Connor Coventry, maybe people would say, oh, I think Coventry made a good game there. He looks a lot of potential. If it was a, a new signing making their debut, people would say, you know, yeah, he did a good job. I think he could improve a bit, but did a decent job. Because it's Mark Noble, people are like, oh, fuck, say, here we go. Why is he in the, uh, the team? He needs to be in a retirement home, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I find it I find it sad sometimes and I know like we've said before on this show that social media is not a representation of the wider fan base but sometimes you just go on to social media and I just find it like what the word is disheartening disturbing maybe how negative people can be about like a, a club icon. I mean, I remember I'd be very interested to know what this fan base would have been like 
towards I don't know I don't know if players like Bobby Moore, uh, Trevor Brookie, Martin Peters, Jeff Hurst, people like that. I don't know if they started to, to deteriorate by the end of their career. I don't think Billy and Trevor did by the sounds of it, but because I was I haven't been around to see it. Certainly Phil Parks did, and certainly Alan Devonshire did, and Ray Stewart because. Alan Devon was obviously injury-related, but I remember when I first started going to West Ham, Parks and Stewart couldn't really get in the team. You know, Julian Dix, that's a good example. You know, I love Julian, one of my favourite ever players, but I was at that game against Charlton when Danny Mills just kept skinning him, skinning him, skinning him, and it was sad to see, and Julian said mm-hmm. he knew then he was finished. Can you imagine if the West Ham fan was around now? Oh, Dix, you fucking wanker, you're shit, fuck off. What are you doing near the team, you fucking prick, fuck off. It's just, I don't know, mate. I find it quite sad, to be honest with you. As I said, I don't think he should be playing for the first team now. When he, when I saw him starting, I was a little bit like, uh, but he did a decent, a decent enough job, in my opinion. Yeah, he did. I thought he played well, actually, if I'm honest. I mean, yeah. look, he's not a bot. He's not a box-to-box midfielder. So, in comparison to Declan and Tom, he does lack a bit of pace and energy. But he held his position well. He broke up play nicely. Technically, I thought he was good on the ball. He worked hard like he always does and put in some decent tackles. I think he did well. And like you, I mean, I, I go on social media sometimes and there's just so many dickheads about it. It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm sure they do it purely for attention and just to wind people up. It's got to be. Why else would they say some of the shit they do, you know? People ain't that fucking stupid, surely. No, well, I've seen seen a petition today to close down a couple of the two big West Ham accounts. So, well, based upon their opinions, I mean, obviously, my trolls are jumping in and saying she needs to shut X up, but but they're getting it on their opinions and stuff. And and I'm not saying that's right, obviously, but those sorts (laughs) of accounts, in order to get followers and retweets and stuff have to say something different because why else do you follow that account? You might, you could just follow like, you know, Jim Smith with 20 followers or whatever, if they're Mm. saying the same thing. So they have to say something different to be different. And it's like, like we said, Arsenal fan TV, all of these other things in order to get attention, you have to say something different or something uh, outrageous. And I think, you know, the jumps between, uh, I love love Ben Rama. He's amazing. Best player in the world. Can't wait for him to start. Oh, Ben Rama, you're shit. Oh, Nubeck is going to be the best new talent we've ever seen. Fuck me, he's shit. You know, it's just like so reactionary. It's untrue. Oh, it is. It is reactionary. It really is. And I, I dread going onto Twitter after a loss. And, uh, you know, unless yeah. I give my own match opinions, I don't tend to, to be honest with you. It's, uh, it's a very toxic, negative place. And um, some fans just fucking blow my mind with some of the shit they come out with. They really do. Mm-hmm. Um, on Saturday, we went to Fulham. And it's often said that any point away from home is a good point. Do you agree with that? Or was it two points dropped? Um... I think it was two points dropped. If you take into account what West Ham's position is in the league and the new revised ambition that we have, if we are going to be pushing for, you know, Champions League, which sounds ridiculous, but at least Europa League, then Fulham away, as people always remind me, I know there's no easy games in the... Uh, Premier League and so on, and Fulham aren't a bad side, etc., etc. But if you're gonna pick up, you know, points, if you're a fifth place team, which we were at the time, away at the 19th place team, is the sort of game that you need to pick up points at. And I, I don't think we played very well. I think the 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 weather didn't help things, and that's a bit of a lame excuse. But I don't I think it stopped us having any sort of decent flowing football, really. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't think it was the greatest performance, but that said, that is the sort of game that in the past we would have lost because of that sort of performance. We didn't. We ground out a point, and like you say, if you pick up your points away from home and your three points at home, you're going to have a good season. But I just felt with us trying to be a more ambitious team this year, that was three points that we should have got. Yeah. Well, after I got past the overwhelming temptation to throw Mike Dean in the boot of my car and dump the cunt in the Thames, uh, <laughs> I had time to reflect on the game. And and I think we looked really tired. For the first time this yeah. season, I looked at them and I thought, fucking hell, these boys are fatigued. And to be honest, yeah. it's, little, it's little wonder when you look at how many games they played in a short period of time. Now, you can argue it's the same for Fulham. Why is it any different? 
But I think what is key to look at is how hard our players work in comparison to Fulham, for example. Yeah. I mean, the level of intensity those boys give this club week in, week out, we're going to blow out quicker than a team that isn't doing that week in, week out. And that showed on Saturday. Yeah, and there's very little rotation from your core players. If you think Rice has played every single minute of every Premier League game for it's about 65 games now or something along those lines. Suchek's played constantly. Um, Chafal has, Ogbonna has, um, Dawson has now. Like He's done, what, about 12, 13 games in a row. Cresswell's played pretty much every game. There's only, like Antonio, when he's been fit, has. There's very, very few players that we've rotated. Even Ben Rama has played a load in a row now. Uh, Bowen's played a load in a row. And yes, it's like a, a good thing, I think, in some ways to keep the same side and keep that momentum. And as I've always said, don't change a winning side. But these are the, the knock-on effects where you have a, have a smaller squad and you can't say, right, you know, Bowen, you're looking a bit tired this week. We're going to bring in this guy for a couple of games. And actually, that's a bad example because Bowen's probably the one position you can. But certainly Declan, Declan, you can't say, right, you're going to miss a couple of games. Get you and take it off. We'll put this guy in. We should be able to win without you. Um, and then you'll be back to your fully fit in a couple of games' time. We can't do that. We just don't have the options. We don't have forward options. So we're so reliant on um, on Antonio, beyond Suchek, Rice and Noble now. The next person, I guess, in line for central midfield, arguably Lingard, maybe, or arguably for now is Lanzini, but certainly by positional definition, it's Connor Coventry. You know? And then you go through the team, the cover isn't really there. Left back, you could say you've got Ben Johnson maybe for Cresswell, but they've played so many games. I think that's why. Mm. Well, we've got to talk about that little gimp. Not Connor Coventry, by the way. I'm talking about Mike Dean. He's a good player. He's a nice guy. That would have been a bit harsh, wouldn't it? But yeah. we have got to talk about that little gimp, Mike Dean, and that twat at fucking Stockley Park, Lee Mason. <laughs> Tell me what was running through your head when Dean was looking at that monitor. I knew exactly what was going to happen, exactly what was going to happen, and that's not ITK knowledge. I, I knew because Michael, Michael, Michael Dean, very formal, Michael Dean likes, um, <laughs> actually went to school with a Michael Dean, that's where that's come from. Um, uh, he basically, when he's got the cameras on him, which he knew he had, as every game there's cameras now, he knew the cameras were on him, he goes over to that camera, he watches it, fucking god knows how many times 20 times about as much as my wife watches the holiday at christmas i can't stand that bloody film he watched that that many times and and i knew i knew what he'd do because if he walked away and said no penalty that was the obvious decision that was the expected decision no attention that's the right that's the right decision no one remembers mike dean but if he walks over and everyone thinks nah he's not gonna send him off he's, no, he's not gonna send him off and then he brandishes the fucking red card it gets him that attention that he craves and and it's i just do not understand how between the pair of them they got that so wrong it was so obviously an accident mitrovic doesn't fucking help the situation by nah. rolling around fucking prick but the uh, the bottom line is if a referee cannot judge whether or two referees for that note whether something is accidental that's that obviously accidental or not they really need to have their skills reassessed because I understand in the speed of play not being able to tell who got the last touch for a, a goal kick sometimes when there's two players going for the same ball I understand sometimes with a penalty if a player's leg quickly flicks the ball just before the defender gets there. It's hard in real time to be able to call that. But when you've got the benefit of hindsight, which he now has, with VAR to watch it 20 times and still between them get it wrong, then in my eyes there's something fundamentally wrong. And I'm sorry to rant, but yes, I don't agree with death threats at all, despite the fact you've just offered threats to put him in the Thames. I know you're joking. <laughs> oh, I hope you are. You did, go, you did go missing that night in almost saying where he's <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, I, and whilst I was like, no, he wouldn't do that. I was like, I think he's would he? Would he? Like, so, but yeah. So whilst I don't agree with death threats, stopping him not refereeing at these <coughs> at these fixtures, 
I still believe there should be an accountable consequence for him because if he if if I fucked up my job that significantly and as frequently as he does, and a lot of the the messing up came down to the fact that it was my ego at play, that my boss would say to me, right, you need to have a disciplinary or you need to go on some retraining or you need to have your money ducked or you need to be sacked. One of those things, it's the same thing here. Yeah, with him, he's got such a big business uh, as a result, uh, dependent on him. I mean, imagine, say, imagine... We, I mean, obviously, it's the benefit of hindsight here, and you can't prove this, but if we put that corner in the box and Sue Check had scored the winning header and we'd won nil, we'd won one nil, and Fulham went down by a point, you know, hypothetically, they've stayed up in the Premier League, and or, or they would have stayed up, sorry, if they stayed up by a point, whatever, you see what I'm trying to get at here? Yeah. They would have, that, that basically... It's so crucial to get these decisions right. There's no excuse when you've got the TV in front of you like that. Ridiculous decision. Oh, mate, it really was. And I think you're absolutely spot on in everything you've said there. Listen, I don't condone the death threats. Um, But in terms of the stick that he's been receiving, it is 100% justified. Because referees make mistakes. Human beings make mistakes. But this wasn't a mistake. And it's like you've just said. I think that... 90 minutes have passed without any of the spotlight being on him and he took that opportunity to give himself the power that he so desperately fucking craves so he could be the centre of attention. I mean, every fucking player, every manager, every fan, every pundit could see it was accidental, yet he couldn't um, after watching it fucking 20 times. I mean, it's incredible. And let's not forget... He's got form. People don't call it the Mike Dean show for no reason. He's an attention-seeking little prick. And what blows my mind is that, by all accounts, um, the Referees Association think that he's their top fucking boy. I mean, I think he's a cunt. <laughs> my dad is going to be appalled at your language. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be allowed to come around for dinner anymore. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. X. Sorry, Mr. X. But we are in the game of passionate opinions here, Mr. X. There's not a lot to do about that. I know, but I know you always warned me about hanging around with ruffians. I thought they were different, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately it proves he was like the ones you warned me of. But no, like, like, I, I totally agree. Like, I have that same hatred as well. And 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 like you say, it's, it's because it feels so attention-seeking all the time. The fact that there's YouTube channels that highlight, or YouTube videos, shall I say, that highlight how attention-seeking he is, it is absolutely ridiculous. And then with most... Other ridiculous thing is he had Lee Mason as the fourth official that was the person that called him over in the first fucking place. So he should have stopped it before it even got to that point. So he's just a, as a fault as Mike Dean is because they're sitting there on the microphones talking to each other. And apparently the reason it was given at the time was because Suchek had a clenched fist, which which indicated aggression, which was why he was sent off for an aggressive movement. The whole thing is just so ridiculous. He'd have been better off saying, uh, we're not really sure, we just guessed, than saying something so stupid as that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the fact is, Lee Mason was then the fourth official at the bloody Man United game yesterday. Yeah. So, like, well, imagine, imagine if there'd been another dodgy VAR decision and he'd been responsible for it. You know, you could argue, I don't think it was a penalty, but there was the, you know, there was the penalty where, um, Juan Basaka hit his arm. Now, I don't for one second think it was a penalty, but you could debate it. He didn't give that. You know, you start to get these ideas that certain referees and um, whoever have a have a bias. Not just that I'm saying about West Ham. I'm sure other clubs have it, but. But and a part of me thinks maybe that is actually true because you know Mike Dean's now supposedly had death threats and I don't know if it's specifically from West Ham fans or from other clubs. I, I don't know and I don't think you'd ever be able to prove exactly who he's talking about and how he saw them. But if it if it is West Ham fans, let's say, then he's going to think I right, those fucking pricks. They gave me death threats. Now there, there's talk. There's talk, and I don't know how true this is, but there's talk that you remember the 2006 FA Cup final when we played Liverpool, yeah? Yeah. Apparently, Mike Dean was scheduled to be the um, the ref for that game, um, but because he's from the Wirral, which is obviously in Merseyside, and he's a big Tramier fan, 
West Ham fans know I can't remember this, but maybe people will be able to tell us otherwise look it up on Google. But um, West Ham fans made a big deal about it because they said that he might be a you know biased towards Liverpool, that he got removed from that game and another ref. I can't remember which one it was now, wasn't it? It might have been Graham Pohl, possibly. Um, whoever the ref was in that final took his place. And as a result of that, Mike Dean has always had a, a grudge against West Ham. Now, I can't prove that that's true, obviously. But when you see a decision like that, you think to yourself, well, <laughs> maybe that was true. Maybe he does have a grudge against West Ham. And if he didn't, oh, it was Alan Wiley. Sorry, Alan Wiley was a 2006 final ref, but I'm pretty sure there's a story. I mean, if I like, if I put it into to Google now, um, and and it just it really really frustrates me that they couldn't. Yeah, there you go. Dean was originally appointed to referee the 2006 FA Cup final at the Millennium Stadium on the 13th of May 2006, but the Football Association later replaced him with Alan Wiley after concerns were raised about Dean's ability to be impartial towards Liverpool, who are based near his hometown, the Wirral. There you go. So it's documented. Maybe that's behind his decisions. And if that is the case, Mike Dean should never referee a West Ham game again. Mm, well, apparently he's having a break from football this weekend. I think he needs to take that time to have a serious look at himself and then do the right thing and retire as a referee. You know, we have enough fucking shit to deal with when it comes to VAR. The, the technology itself, in my opinion, has killed football this season, absolutely killed it. Couple that with an attention-seeking, power-hungry little muppet like Mike Dean, you've just got no chance. I mean, football is about football. It's as simple as that. The referee is there to officiate it and give decisions genuinely from the heart as to what they believe is the right thing to do. But you've got someone there who, in my opinion, ain't right in the head because he's just literally putting himself before the occasion. And it is just absolute madness. That well, coupled with that coupled with the shite that is VAR, I mean, uh, Jesus Christ. I, I, I just get so fucking deflated with football these days. I used to love this sport, but I watch it these days and I watch people like Mike Dean and that fucking toss pot sitting in Stockley Park. And I just think, you know, why have we even turned up tonight? You know, neither of them should. Well, well, Lee Mason, I don't know. I don't know enough about him, but certainly Mike Dean, because we're not the only club to complain about him, by the way. He wow. should definitely not be allowed to referee again. The well, geezer's a liability. Well, the thing, the thing is, mate, the game before ours was the, um, that he ref was the Southampton uh, Manchester United game where Southampton lost 9-0 and he sent someone off after two minutes. Southampton appealed that red card and I think that got rescinded as well. So in the last two games, the two red cards he's issued or certainly two of the red cards he's issued have been rescinded, which shows that he's made glaringly obvious mistakes. I mean, obviously the one for West Ham, I can't say for certain whether Suchet would have scored that set piece and it was right at the end, but for Southampton to lose a player after fucking two minutes that's obviously going to affect the game. So he has basically destroyed them. They then went on to lose 9-0, which obviously no team should do. But when you lose 9-0, it's very hard for the manager and for the players to pick themselves up after such a humiliating defeat. Southampton have gone from having a fairly decent season to be to being looking like this. One of those teams that might start to free fall a little bit. And you know, it has such a such a knock-on effect when they when they do these things and they get these things wrong. You know, I need to go back to Mike Dean, his attention seeking. This, if I think I don't know what it was, maybe Tramier won an FA Cup game or something, or they got promoted to the, the Football League, and he was a, there as a supporter of Tramier, which yeah. was fair play. And somehow, even bloody then, amongst the thousands of fans, he managed to get himself on TV celebrating. Yeah, but yeah, he's on someone's I... shoulder. He's obviously like got a need to be the center of everything and and that cannot be the case in football you know the best the best referees in my opinion are the ones that you don't notice you mm. know the ones that you forget are there i mean obviously kalina was a good ref and you noticed him because he was such a funny looking man but other mm. than him most of them you seem to think oh the refs had a good game and you won't actually remember who the ref is and there's certain refs that you look at your program or if you look on the patron sites on the information that we show and you see the ref and you think oh god not him and you think to yourself well 
I must have seen many a bad decision to have that opinion because some I know more about the refs now in the in the Premier League than I do about opposition players. You know, if you mm. was to tell me, right, this is the ref for the game, I'd be able to tell you more about the ref than I probably would have been able to tell you, certainly a team like Fulham. I'd be able to tell you probably a bit more about two or three of their players, but the majority I'd be able to tell you about the ref more. And and yes, that's uh, me losing knowledge on other teams because of the West Ham dominance that I have in my life. But it's also because I hear more about refs nowadays than I do players. Mm. Oh, he's a strange little man, Mike Dean, strange little man. He geezer's a joke and I never, ever want to see him officiate a West Ham game again. And I tell you what, God help him when he does and the fans are back because they'll give him hell for leather and fucking right and all, That's as far as I'm concerned. Um, Sheffield United next, mate. In the interest of our league ambitions, is this a must-win game? Yeah, I think so. Again, related back to what I said about Fulham, they've had a poor, a poor season this season. I think arguably they've suffered from two things. Sheffield United, they've suffered from having no fans because I think the passionate um, Sheffield fan base, when they've been out of the Premier League since Tevez relegated them, apparently, um, we um, they had that passion to be back in the Premier League. And I think home games they had a real advantage and. Um, also, first season syndrome, you know, often affects teams. They do well first season back and then struggle the second. But they seem to have got a bit better form in recent weeks. But again, back to my point, if West Ham are going to get fifth, sixth, seventh in the league, you need to be beating the bottom place team in the league at home. Mm. Mm. Oh, without a doubt. It is a must-win win. It is a must-win game. If we're serious about competing for Europe, these are the games we have to win. No excuses. Mm-hmm. Um, the good news is that after Monday, we only have one more midweek game left in the season. Did you know that? No, I didn't, really. That's right, yeah. So with the exception of Brighton on Tuesday the 11th of May, the players will have a clear week to recover, which is massive for us, given our squad depth and our fragile McCallies. Yes, and that's really good for my well-being as well. Don't get me wrong, I love football, not as much as I used to, but I do love football, I love West Ham, I love doing what we do, but at the moment, it just feels like overkill, like I turn my head, we've got West Ham, then we've got the podcast, then the podcast, then another West Ham game, then the podcast, it's it's like literally, (laughs) constantly West Ham, so, and I don't get me wrong, I, I do love that, but having it once a week is definitely more manageable with a family life and other jobs and stuff. Mm. Prediction for the Sheffield United game on Monday? Um, I'm going to go 2 0 West Ham. Yeah, snap, snap. It's so funny, you know, we often predict the same results, yet you're so far behind me in the predictions. Oh, it's incredible. Like, <laughs> what, 80 points? Which is the equivalent of getting one West Ham result, right? And about 20 places. What about the what, If you want to know so far behind, go and look at the fantasy league. I can't even find you on the league table. No one gives a shit, mate. No one gives a shit. <laughs> I was funny, actually. That. I was actually going to let you off the uh, the uh, predictions league this week because I haven't actually gathered all the info, so I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd throw that one in there. But um, yeah, I think it's it, business as usual, mate. If you're looking for a summary, no. What is can I, <laughs> what happens is you don't even fucking predict all this jam, eh? You forget to predict results, and they're always the fucking ones I get wrong. You don't forget. You won't. Forget, you won't forget to predict. You know. West Ham at home to Sheffield United, which should be a win. You know, Man City at home to fucking Fulham. No, you remember that one. But a tough one, like, you know, I don't know, Chelsea away at Everton. Oops, forgot that one. And then (laughs) fucking zero points for you because you forgot it. I try and play the game by the gentleman's code and predict all the results. And I get it wrong. And I get more less points than you bloody do for not doing anything. Well, uh, one thing that I am pleased about is that you're not taking this too badly at the moment, <laughs> losing to me for a second successive season as it stands. I'm pleased that it's not bothering you to a point where I thought it would, which is good. Mate, listen, listen. At the end of the day, you make these things way too competitive. That's why I had to stop. <laughs> but you're the worst. You're the worst. You're, you're where all the fucking rivalry stems from. You are. <laughs> No, no. I'm. I like playing for the love of the sports and the, 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 the camaraderie. And you make it a feature of the podcast. Every fucking thing. <laughs> no one cares apart from you. <laughs> it's, like a, it's, as, it's as prominent as my centre now. 
Yeah. And they're equally as enjoyable as your section as well, I find. <laughs> I get as much stick for both for the both of them, so there's nothing either enjoyable. <laughs> and long may it continue. That's all I can say. Right, talking of X's section, it is that time again. X is the man in the know. He keeps you in bonds on rain or snow. His opinion is in demand. There ain't another ITK that I can stand. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Switching and saving with GEICO is easy, so you're free to ponder life's big questions, like why do people say it goes without saying and then say it anyway? I mean, if it really goes without saying, you should instead not say it and just give a knowing look? Well, folks, it goes without saying. Uh, what does? The thing that I'm not going to say. Okay. Switch and save with Geico. It's easier than you think. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement-making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.